Welcome, Highfalutin Ski Bum Podcast, episode number 189. It is your pals, Mario and Brian. Mario, what's up? Not much. Getting ready for the big turkey day. A lot of stuff going on these days around here. I know uh, you, we were talking earlier. You're hosting, I'm hosting. So um, there's a lot going on, a lot of prep. It's going to be a crazy week. It's going to be a crazy week the week after. It's going to be a crazy winter. Well, thank you everyone for listening. Check us out, skibumpodcast.com. Hopefully, if you are doing some crazy Thanksgiving traveling, this will help you to get through that time. If you're feeling like you want to do some Christmas shopping or Hanukkah shopping or Festivus shopping or Kwanzaa shopping, check out skibumpodcast.com slash shop. The new swag will be out there when this podcast goes live was working on it this weekend got some stuff ready should be out there so check it out there's some cool stuff thank you to everyone who's been buying stuff as of late stuff is flying out the doors flying i say check us out on socials instagram twitter facebook we are at ski bum podcast make sure you follow us make sure you follow us we really appreciate that and please subscribe and rate us on your favorite podcasting apps itunes stitcher spotify what else is out there? iHeartRadio, YouTube, wherever you go, make it happen. We appreciate Everywhere, it. Everywhere, pretty much. And if you want to send us an email, skibumpodcast at gmail.com. And if you go to the website, you can also sign up for our newsletter, which would really help us out. We won't spam you, we promise. And we're not going to sell the list like dickheads. Yeah, we, we do don't do any you. of that. No, not at all. We don't like when people do that to us. Why would we do the same thing? We're greedy. It's our list. Why We don't want anybody else to have it. We love you people. We're not sharing you with anybody. We're up close and personal with you. That's right. So thank you again so much for listening. We do appreciate it. Want to give a thanks and a shout out to our sponsor, Quickie Wax. Q-U-I-C-K-I-E-W-A-X. They're at quickiewax.com. They are a Colorado ski bum owned and proud sponsor of the Highfalutin Ski Bum podcast. So thank you, Quickie Wax. There's the bunny. He's on skis. <laughs> they've got four temperatures whatever you need whatever your conditions they got the right wax for you so thank you quickie wax very much for sponsoring us and one quick thing we have a couple of warren miller films that will be going to that's right going to it tomorrow but the podcast will not be out yet so when you listen to this i will have already attended Aha, that's, that's right. in morristown new jersey we've been talking about it for a while now it'll be awesome but there's another showing going on that you guys can be ready for if you're in the Red Bank, New Jersey area, December 4th at 7 o'clock at Bowtie Cinemas. December the 4th, 7 o'clock. Boom. It's the first time it's going to be shown in Red Bank, which is pretty cool. So nice. that's the Central Jersey Ski Club. So thank you to the those guys for getting it all set up. We are looking forward to that. Uh, we'll be, like I said, we'll be attending both of them, or I will be attending both of them. So if you see me, <laughs> I gotta see if I'll be up there for the second one. Who knows? You never know. You never know. If you see me, drop by, say hello. Happy to chat. Let's kick things off the way we always do. It's time for our pray today. Mario, what do you got today? So, been holiday shopping. You know, stocking up for 
everybody coming in and you know there's a wide variety of tastes you got to respect the fact that people like different things that maybe you don't like so i got a whole bunch of stuff and one of the things i got was a sam adams sample pack and one of the things in there is this cosmic sour cosmic with a k cosmic with a k so i can't even get it straight in the uh the camera there you go all right uh so it's a cosmic sour it's a tart and wild ale so they don't really explain on the bottle like what is in it necessarily they're just saying you know who's got the funk blah 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 um they talk about the yeast that it's is it sour. cosmic or sour it's sour all right and it's cosmic it's kind of got a uh <clears throat> a little space dust well no it's got like a flowery taste um so i don't know if there's berry in it uh i should probably look it up would that be cosmic i would think cosmic would be almost like extraterrestrial space dust space minerals. dust yes well space dust is owned by anheuser bush now right <laughs> that's true elysian elysian sellouts hashtag sell out bitches <laughs> sell out bitches the first thing that comes up for that is isn't it weird on the search it comes up as what are the calories in it? Like, re- really? You're drinking a beer. Well, you know what? Like Mick Ultra and all those other beers, that's what their their claim to fame is, is that, hey, we may taste like urine, but <laughs> at least we have low calories. It's it's just funny how they, they try to brand everything low calories. And... So it's only 4.6 ABV. Um, it is like citrusy and a little bit floral and uh and sour i mean i'll be honest with you it's not my favorite thing in the world but i figured i'd try it um it definitely i don't like a lot of sour beers but when i do like them they're like great tasting you know this uh it isn't sweet which is good uh definitely on the sour tart side and um I guess for somebody that wants something like more like a sweet tart, this is right in that flavor profile, uh, but it's not as sweet. It's just tart. Um, hey, something for everybody. Maybe somebody will like it at Thanksgiving. We'll see. I there guess you go. could go with some food and rather than have a uh, wine cooler or something, they could uh, have this. There you go. It seems like it would pair well with a deep fried turkey, perhaps. This actually might be good with turkey. I, I think uh, this would pair pretty good with it. Look at that. So, yeah, I wish I was deep frying the turkey. We'll see. No. I, I might just burn it. We'll see. Well, you never know. In Florida, you can just fill a bathtub full of oil and throw a toaster in there and see what the fuck happens, right? See what happens. Let it, that's a, let it, let it fly. That's a Florida deep fryer right there. <laughs> that's right. Tub full of oil and a, and a toaster. There you go. Nice. All right, what do you got going there? I wasn't feeling like beer today. I already feel bloated and fat and depressed right now. Just thinking about what I'm going to be eating this week. Yeah. And I was reading an article this week on liquor.com. It was talking about the, you know, it was like 10 American whiskeys you should splurge on for the holidays. Oh, nice. And I saw the list. I'm like, okay, those are some, those look fun. I don't have any of them in my private collection at the moment. I can't think of anyone I care enough about to purchase any of those expensive liquors. <sighs> but I did see a liquor from a company that I like and respect and know that I did have one of their other beverages in my collection. 
And it's a company that comes from a town that we know and love. It is from the High West Whiskey Distillery in Park City, Utah. Oh, I like those guys. So we were at an event a few weeks ago, and I met Steve, who's the head mixologist for, uh, for High West. We had a great conversation. Uh, hope to get him on as a future guest because he was a really interesting dude and has a great ski snowboard history and story to go with his, uh, to where he is at his career now, which is pretty awesome. And perhaps I acquired a bottle of something that night. Nice. And after seeing the Yippie Kaye on the list, which I think is kind of one of the rarer, and I'm not sure if it's uh, like how expensive it is, but it's definitely not cheap. I decided to break out the High West Double Rye, Ooh, which look at that. is a uh, a rather tasty little beverage right here. Nice. And I have it in my uh, my special Burton cup today. Oh, ah, cool. We'll tribute to to Jake Burton, who we spoke about in the last podcast. Rest in peace. And this is a great cup for drinking whiskey. I will tell you that because no one knows how much whiskey you have in your cup because it is a metal <laughs> cup for those listeners. That and, is cool. Uh, got one nice big ice cube in here. That's a rye. It definitely has more of a drier, not dry is the right word, but a spicy, less sweet taste than a bourbon. But this one's got some nice flavor to it. Pretty oh, nice. smooth. A little bit of ice really mellows it out too. It can be a little bit, a little strong. I mean, it's forty six percent alcohol by volume out of the bottle, so it's it's pretty spicy coming out. Pretty hot. Nice. A little bit of uh, ice melting in there mellows it out. Solid, solid rye. Uh, if you're into bourbons, if you like something, want something a little bit different, want to mess, mix things up, this is not a bad option. So. I tell you what, you know. Um... I haven't bought bourbon in a while, right? Because I, I had like a giant handle <laughs> that my realtor gave me. Then I had another handle of like the bullet bourbon. So I had the, um, that was the other one that I was drinking forever. Woodford. Basil? Uh, Woodford Reserve. Woodford. So they got me a giant one of that. So I was doing that and then a handle of bullet. And then I had, you know, that other bottle of... Uh, you know, that, that one that my dad had. So like I was kind of hitting those and nobody else is, you know, kind of comes over to drink bourbon. Everybody's just beer drinkers. So I kind of chip away at it. So I finally finished like almost everything. I'm like, you know, I gotta, I gotta up my bourbon collection, you know, cause I stocked my bar now, you know, I got my, just the regular, the mixers and everything finally again, cause I, I just moved last year. So I got all, all the bar going, but I'm like, you know, now I'm lacking on bourbon and I don't really drink that much whiskey. So I went out to buy it. I'm like, I think everything went up in the last year, like 10 bucks a bottle. Things have gotten very expensive. I know. I'm my, like, I was surprised. I was like, I saw like not even full 750 milliliter, like 500 milliliter bottles. And they were like the price that I remember paying way back. And I'm like, wow. Yeah. I think it like, just because I've been in like this, not buying bourbon in a while, or even looking at the prices. Sticker shock. Looking at them now. I'm like, wow, everything's gone up. Like quite a bit. Well, you remember, I mean, before we really started getting into beers, when we used to do our uh, our Mount Snow share house, <laughs> I mean, we used to each bring up like a bottle of bourbon a weekend. Yeah, we would kill we those bottles too right away. Brew it too. We were we were brutal. 
<laughs> we were pretty brutal. We drank. Well, that's it. Like that house was so awesome that you didn't really need to go out. Yeah. And you know, Mount Snow doesn't really have. I mean, it's got definitely got some places to go to, but it's not like not raging nightlife. It doesn't have a lot of a lot of options. That was a cool house, though. I it was a great house. But yeah, we would just bring our bourbon up. We'd come back after our, uh, you know, we do like one or two beers at the the mountain, go back home, have dinner, and then just drink the bourbon all night. <laughs> yep. Example. So I'm looking at Bullet online, and they're saying it's about they're estimating average price is about thirty bucks a bottle. I'm like, I remember that being like twenty four, twenty six. Four Roses, they're listed at 43. I'm like, I don't remember Four Roses ever being that that much. I don't know. Yeah, I remember my my go-to high end of normal would be like Angel's Envy. I love mm. that bourbon. And it used to be like, you get it between like 35 and 40 bucks. Yeah. Now it's like at least 45 or 50. Yeah, this site I'm looking at is listed as 50. I'm like, yeah, that's, it's just all gone up. Yeah. Jefferson's Reserve. Jefferson Reserve is is at 52. That's pretty crazy. Ouch. Yeah, it's just getting expensive. I don't know why. I think there's a big uh it's what is demand? it? The Asian market and Indian market is like huge demand on it now. I remember that a couple of years ago. I don't know if that was if that still holds true today. That's the the excuse they're still using. Yeah. It's like uh rising gas prices when they start raising the cost of everything. Well, they you know, never go gas down. Went, gas went up. Uh, gas went down. I didn't see any change in prices. I'm seeing something. Something is saying here. There's a discount code to get 15 bucks off this bottle of Angel's Envy. God damn, that's good. Look at that. Oh, $15 off your next order from Drizzly. Use Google 15. Apparently, Google will help you buy bourbon online. Nice. So take that for what you will. Wait, wait what's that code? <laughs> yeah. You can text it to me. Drizzly.com. It's a uh, Google 15. All one word. It expires in five days. D-R-I-Z-L-Y. Drizzly. Get some Google bourbon fixing. action going. I don't know what Drizzly is. I don't think it's a, maybe it's a liquor store. Yeah, it looks yep. like it's a liquor store. I don't like fucking around anymore. I like just buying in bulk. I'd rather buy, instead of buying a bottle here, a bottle there, just get a good deal and buy like four or five bottles at a time. Yeah. Drizzly apparently works with your local store so you can shop their shelves using your smartphone or computer to order beer wine and liquor at the touch of a button. Wow. You still have to drink it the old fashioned way though. Ah, weird, but interesting. I guess it's almost like a, what's the food thing? Like Uber eats or DoorDash, but for, yeah, these, they're claiming one hour alcohol delivery. Look at that. Get the fuck out of here. And people say that this is the worst time to live in. How dare they? One hour alcohol delivery. I guess. Yeah. In college, there was one in Buffalo. It was North Main Liquors that was delivered. And all you do is you get the upperclassmen and be like, can you order me some booze? Here? We'll get you some more, some stuff. And they would just do this huge order and they would just bring it into the dorms. It was, it was oh like, God. it wasn't even fair. I was like, you know. Get out the hand truck, right? Oh, it was hilarious. Well, I guess that wraps up the app right today. Let's go to Ski News. And first up... Michaela Schifrin wins in Finland and becomes the greatest slalom racer in history. So she is 24 years old. And with this win, it is her 41st World Cup slalom victory, making her the most successful technical skier of all time. 
Absolutely amazing. She won by a margin of 1.78 seconds over Switzerland's Wendy Holdner. That's That's crazy. Like 1.78 seconds in a ski race. Like usually everything is like 0.03 or 0.1. I mean, that's like sitting there, like she finished waiting, waiting next person. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So I knew somebody that was watching this while I was going on, they were texting me and they were like, oh, she's amazing. And then she won and I had a conversation with them at the end. They said it was fascinating because I guess she got awarded the live reindeer. It's one of those races where they give you livestock, which I absolutely love. I think it's great that they get like a new pet or something like that. And uh, she got this reindeer and the announcers were even saying like, you know, she, they asked her what she's going to name it. She's like, "I, I wasn't planning on winning you know she she's not that cocky she's not a cocky person <laughs> so they were saying like she's not cocky she didn't have a name picked out she's like i don't even know if it's a boy or girl so uh i guess in this article they do say uh she named it finally named it ingmar ingmar after the swedish ski racer ingmar stenmark who held the record for the most world cup slalom victories that's cool it's pretty cool as a as a nod to them but oh it's, it's cute it's adorable they have the picture of it but yeah, she posted it on instagram too, too. Her yeah. with, the, uh, with the reindeer. But now what is she going to do with the reindeer? You know, I don't know. Like I follow biking too. And, and Tour de France has certain stages where they'll give people cows and stuff. And I remember um, they were interviewing a biker and he was like, he has a friend with a farm that he just gives the cows to. He's like, yeah, I won two of them already. Like I just give him a cow. <laughs> so, but during the race, like there's different shit they get. So I imagine, I think the world cup is, um, it might, maybe it's the same. I don't know what, but I, I'd love to see like a little chart of what you get in addition to the prize money. Like you get chocolate, do you get like a reindeer? Like, cause there's all sorts of wacky stuff. You know? Yeah. And is it the same every year? Or do they mix it up? Yeah. Well, I think this race is always a reindeer. It's always the reindeer. Yeah. Cause that's why she has four of them. Ah, First. that makes sense. Yeah. And I don't know if they donate them. They, if they have a farm, they could put them out there. So it's pretty cool. Like, I don't know. What do I do with the reindeer? Do I have to take it home? Like, I wasn't planning to travel with the reindeer. Like, How do you get the reindeer through customs? <laughs> I'm supposed to be in Killington next week. Like, what am I going to do? How am I going to get this reindeer home? Does the reindeer have to buy a ticket? Yeah. They got to do, do like, them in, like <laughs> do, you check the, do you check the reindeer? I don't, I, I don't know how that works. Are you a little pissed off? Like, thanks, guys. Now I got to figure out how to get this reindeer home. This is my emotional support reindeer. It has to come on the flight with me. I can't I can't travel without it. That's right. Would you have to get a private jet for you and the reindeer? I think Michaela may be flying private jets already, right? She could I would, I would think so, right? She could roll that bad boy right on there. Congratulations, Michaela. That is awesome. We were all hoping you would break the record at Killington this weekend. But you got to do what you got to do. Yeah. I mean, there's going to be a good race, too. That's that's starting Saturday. Thursday, Thursday, Friday, or? Saturday is the official race, yeah. Oh, Saturday is the official race, so. Actually, wow. actually you know what? I think Saturday might be the giant slalom and Sunday the slalom. Ooh, nice. So that place is going to be a buzz this coming week, so. Oh, yes, indeed. If you're on your way up there, get be prepared. I heard it's going to, it's. Better and better every year, and they get more and more people every year. So you got Twiddle good. there this year, man. That's gonna be big. Twiddle will be in Killington. 
I wonder if that dude's going to be there with his Grateful Dead sweatshirt and Grateful Dead t-shirt. I love that guy so much. <laughs> I really hope he is there. I Man. hope he's like a, like a twiddle groupie and just follows them around. Oh, yeah. That'd be great. Yep. Twiddle! <laughs> and that loud drunk girl that was, Twiddle! Mm. God bless them. All right, next up we have Noah. Again, is forecasting for more snow. They're saying Lake Tahoe, California, Nevada, Tuesday through Thursday. First significant uh, storm of the winter season, bringing several feet of mountain snow next week. Boom. Uh, feet. Feet. So they're forecasting two, two to three feet of snow, which is really good. Uh, that's that's going to freshen everything up right in time for the holidays. Um, it's not even a freshen up. It's like, a, thank God we're getting this snow. They were... They were hurting. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot all at once, but yeah, I tell you the weather this year seems like it's going to be pretty, uh, pretty nutty, but pretty good for skiing. Yeah. Their snowpack was at 25% of average to date. Wow. So they were really hurting. It really is like feast or famine. Yeah. That's unfortunately, fortunately or unfortunately how Tahoe tends to be. It's either, you know, epic the whole winter or it just sucks. Mm. But yeah, so imagine imagine you're living there, you're like and you have your uh your in-laws or your family you have to drive to San Francisco or Sacramento to get to on Thanksgiving. And you're like, oh, you know what? I can't make it. Like <laughs> we snowed in. We just got snowed in. Sorry. Can't make it. I have to stay and and ski in the fresh path. I have to Sorry. shovel. Yeah. We're snowed in. I can't move the I can't move the damn car. Except to the ski area. <laughs> it's like, I know you have a Jeep Wrangler with 35-inch tires. I know you can get here. I can't really uh, drive more than like a 10-mile radius. You know, I have my summer tires still on. My winter tires are away. I can't get to my winter tires to That's get right. them on my car so I can drive over the pass. So, Do you not care about my safety? <laughs> why are you being so selfish? It's Thanksgiving. You should be exactly. thankful that I'm in your life. That's Maybe right. I I'll can't give, be there with you. I'll give you guys a call sometime around noonish when I take a break from skiing. I mean shoveling. <laughs> shoveling. That's it. <laughs> yeah. So awesome. this, you know, that should be good for our uh, our friend Hunter, who's on his way out there. He might yeah. actually be there by now. I mean, they they said he was. He originally said he was leaving the twenty second. <clears throat> if you didn't listen to our our interview with our friend uh, Hunter, he is moving his family out from Brooklyn, New York out to Squaw Valley for the winter and their intended departure date was the 22nd, which would have been, well, as we're recording this three or four days ago. What is it like a three day drive? Maybe <clears throat> it depends probably about how, it all depends how you got a lot of crap with you. I would imagine you got to stop a few times. You got kids. You got to take some breaks. You got kids so, and a lot of furniture maybe and stuff. I doubt furniture. But yeah, it's probably, I think they're just taking a van going out there. So shouldn't nice. be too, too bad. That's not bad. Yeah. So hopefully we'll, uh, we'll keep tabs on him and he'll, he'll hit us up on the socials and let us know how they're doing getting out there. Hopefully he's getting on time. He's getting there at the right time and we'll get caught in the snow. Just get there before it. Yeah. Right. And next up we have some good insight. And this is from the folks at High Five. And for those who are not familiar, High Five Foundation 
they put out a lot of good information on preventing injuries and safety. And they have kind of like five different buckets that they focus on. And it's mountain rescue, collisions, helmets, avalanche awareness, and know your park. I got to watch the collisions one because that has John Egan in it. It sure does. (laughs) My buddy. Your buddy, John. My buddy, John. And the one they that we were kind of focusing on and we saw some emails about this week was the avalanche awareness one. And it features Elise Sogstad and she was actually a survivor in the 2012 tunnel Creek avalanche. And it just gives you a good breakdown of the things that you should know, you know, knowing the, um, the snowpack report, traveling with friends, having your equipment. And the big one is taking a, avalanche course avalanche safety courses and we've talked about it in the past and you know being east coast skiers and not really having to to deal with it quite as much on the east coast and then going out west a lot of us really can only pack so many days or take so many days when we're going out there so to say oh i'm going to take three days of my vacation to do a safety course it's a it's a tough sell. That's a tough pill to swallow, yeah. Which is stupid, yes. But you also say to yourself, well, is it going to be necessary? I'm not going to get caught in that, which again is 100% the wrong attitude to have. Yeah. But unfortunately, like that's that's kind of the the Sophie's choice you have. Like do you do you take the time out of your vacation and your skiing to take the course and learn and understand and get a better knowledge base? Or do you just kind of roll the dice, have your gear and hope you know how to use it when, when, if you do get stuck in that situation? I think it's good just overall promoting awareness because it just makes everything that much safer. Cause even if you have a guide, which you would be stupid to go without a guide, if you're going somewhere, you don't know, even if you know conditions, you know, you're really still taking a little bit of risk. Um, but yeah, just knowing what to do helps even the guides if something goes wrong. Cause then there's more people that are aware of, of what to expect and what to do, you know? Well, the big thing too is like, what if your guide gets caught? Yeah, exactly. You know, your guide wants to make sure you know what you're doing and you have the information because again, if they get in trouble, they're depending on you. And there's a lot of times where you get multiple people buried in, a, in an avalanche. So it's, it's kind of, you really need more than just one person that knows what, what to do, not just has the equipment, you know, having the equipment's part of it, knowing what to do is another part of it. And then just being aware, you know? Yeah. This video is, uh, is good too. And it, you know, it shows some, shows some gnarly avalanche, you know, people getting stuck in avalanches in the video. It's scary and, shit, man. It says that most avalanches are actually triggered by either the person who's you know skiing or riding causing it or one of the people in their group causing it. It makes sense, but it's also terrifying. You know, really and we've been with uh, people before and, and they're, you know, they give you instruction like, you know, don't cut across the whole uh, mountain because you can create a slide. Like, you know, so knowing that things like that, like it, it just helps. Yeah. You know. And I'll be honest, like I know we've we've been in the backcountry a few times and you know, first couple times, like you just do things without 
really thinking about other people. You know, sometimes you get a little nervous or a little um, unsure and you do something that's the best for you, not thinking what the ramifications could be. Mm. And all that is because of inexperience. You look back and you're like, God, why did I do it? That was so stupid. And most of the time, it's you can look back and kind of just laugh at yourself for being ignorant. But some people have don't have that luxury. You know, they either caused a slide, someone got hurt or died. We were uh, even in, um, I think, I don't know if it was when we were in Jackson, but they were talking about the one area where they had an avalanche and somebody, it was a fatality like a few weeks before we got there. And they were saying, Tommy was with Tommy Mo was telling us that the way the, the shape of the hill, you'll ski down and stop and wait for your, for your buddies and watch. But where you're watching is where it's going to slide right into you. And what happens is they start going after and they wind up burying their friends. So they actually see their friends get buried and they're like, there's nothing they can do because the, the slide happens below them. Oof, yeah. It doesn't even catch them. It's like, it's creepy as hell. It's brutal. Yeah. yeah. But knowing that even, you know, like make sure you're in a safe place to stop. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's a lot of things to think about, you know? And again, if you're, uh, if you're going to go into the back country and do these kind of treks, you really need to know what you're doing and really need to be, prepared and aware of the, the folks around you, the folks in your party and, and make sure you're not just watching out for yourself, that you're watching out for everyone in your group and that they're watching out for you too. Yeah. You're not just a tourist in the back country. You're everybody's actively trying to help each other. For sure. All right. Next up, another forecast, Canada in for a harsh ass season ahead. Now they're talking about harsh in terms of they're headed for cold and they're headed for, um, higher than normal precipitation in a lot of parts. How about a big shout out to the Winnipeg so-and-sos who won the gray cup blue bombers, the blue bombers. Dude, I got a, I got a Winnipeg native in the house and she's like, they were keeping tracks. It was on at six o'clock last uh, yesterday. That was their first gray cup since 1990, right? Yeah. That's big. uh, People were celebrating in Winnipeg. So she was uh, on the socials checking out like her friends and stuff. Uh, Big party. They love the, uh, they love their Canadian football. I tell you that and hockey and <laughs> curling. Those Can't are the, blame them for that, right? The big things, but yeah, the blue bombers, blue bombers. So yeah, shout out to them. Uh, and while they're doing that, they're going to have a harsh ass season. So, um, harsh winter. So they're just saying, uh, wild and historic, like winter weather. That's, uh, um, going to be impacting, Canada. Uh, snow and cold have arrived early across much of Canada this fall, including several rounds of historic uh, winter-like weather from the Rockies to St. Lawrence Valley. Is it a preview of what's to come? They're saying that while the cold weather hasn't locked in yet, much of Canada is in for a harsh winter. Near normal or colder than normal temperatures are expected through most of the country. So it's going to blanket, kind of like we got blanketed a few, probably a few weeks ago, like the entire country was like in this cold freeze, remember? And what I'm saying, loving is I'm loving the one picture it's showing here, which is showing New York State, Massachusetts, Vermont, New Hampshire, Maine, also yeah. being above normal snowfall. Yep. Quebec, Tremblant, that whole area, above oh, yeah. average snowfall. I like that. And right in the middle of that cold thing is Winnipeg. <laughs> yeah, that's the further up picture. Yeah, yeah. We're probably going to go up there maybe 
January. So we're oh, going to go right in the middle of the freaking cold again. And I tell you what, you know, it's cold AF out there, but it's not like you have these these crazy winds. So it's that still cold that's up there. And you don't have all these whiny it. bitches like you have down here. Yeah. I went up last time with no winter jacket. It was cold as fuck. And we were walking at night because we went to a restaurant. And instead of Ubering back, I was like, let's just walk. It's not that far. It's maybe maybe a mile, <laughs> half a mile. Fucking froze my balls off. Eh. It was pretty funny. So, yeah, this is going to be uh, winter wonderland, it looks like. It's looking pretty good. And as you can see in the one picture, they're showing that the Canadian Rockies powder highway is looking to be normal in some parts, but above normal in most parts. Yeah. Including Banff. Mm-hmm. Which, as we're rolling into our main topic, is a big chunk of our main topic story. Near and dear to his heart. Yes. So we, when we were at the Boston Ski and Snow Expo a few weeks ago, we had the great opportunity to sit down and chat with Mike O'Connell from First Chair Travel. And Mike's got a pretty cool story about how he started this company. And they do a trip. They started it last year for the first time. They're doing it again this year. And they're going out to Banff in March of 2020. So March 7th through the 14th. They're doing a great trip. It's an all-inclusive. Only thing you need to do is get your flight. So they're giving you some flexibility in case you want to use miles or if you, you know, say you're not living from the Boston area where most folks are, you can just arrange your trip, get there. Uh, also helpful if you're an Icon Pass holder, you're getting 300 bucks off of the price, which is $1,649. It's pretty There's good a lot of great information. Mike talks about it in our interview. He also talks about his company. and. Thank you, Mike, for joining us. And also, thank you for your patience because we had we talked about <laughs> it last week. We had kind of a an epic screw up and had to record the interview twice because, well, Brian doesn't know how to use a phone. It's part of life being life, right? That's what happens. Life happens. It just makes you feel unprofessional and kind of stupid, which, frankly, happens a little bit too often. But <laughs> say la vie. Hope you guys enjoy it. Mike O'Connell, First Chair Travel Company. Check it out. We want to welcome Mike O'Connell from First Chair Travel Company. Mike, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you having me on. This is take two. I mean, you know, when we didn't even start drinking yet. It so. feels like we've done this before. I think just having that can of Monster is making me feel just <laughs> all wired up and Monster goofy. from a dude in the parking lot. There was know. some random guy with a truck. I saw that. Well, they're, they're now in front of the building and they're they're handing them out. It's some serious uh, guerrilla marketing going. They on. didn't want to pay for a spot in the expo, so they just got a truck and brought it outside and said, "This will work." Yeah, it works. Rogue the contact monster. Like we don't have a guy out there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's what happened. So, Mike, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, First chair travel company. How did you start this company and how long have you guys been in business now? Uh, we've been in business about two years and I previously was working for my father. Uh, he owns in uh, a company called 47 North Adventures and they take skiers to Austria, specifically to the Tyrol region. So that's how I got involved in you know kind of the, the ski travel business and then branched out on my own. We did our first trip out to Banff last year and we're heading back again uh, this year in March. Very cool. What are the dates for that? Uh, March 7th through the 14th. Okay. 
Uh, so you have uh, like it's like a spinoff then of like your family business. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So my my father works with with his business partner, Lou, and uh, they were, were building trips for for years just for friends and family. And it just kind of evolved over time. And what ended up happening is after they both retired, they decided, OK, let's let's do something. You know, we're already bringing bringing people here. Let's you know, let's make this legit. And they brought me on shortly after. I was helping out with with some social stuff as well as uh, trade shows. And you know, Albany Trade Show was was our first one, which is uh, is a fun event too. Uh, no no uh, nowhere near the Boston Expo, but definitely a fun event. And so then uh, you know, I, I branched out after that and kind of recognizing a need in you know in in the market for a, a seven day trip. And keeping it under two grand, and that you know, on, that's our goal on, on including flight. And we've got people mainly on the East Coast that, that head out to the Canadian Rockies with us at this point. But you know, we're, we've got some folks coming from Denver and uh, in Utah this year. Oh, that's cool. And how did you choose Banff as your your first destination for your uh, your company? Banff is something that's always been on on my radar. Uh, ski Big Three and you know, Lake Louise specifically. I grew up ski racing, and you know the, the Lake Louise downhill is you know is pretty pretty famous downhill, and you know one of the, the first speed events of the year. So I always wanted to get out there. I always heard the snow was incredible, and the train was was unreal. So I went out on a scouting trip. Um, to March, to, so it was March 2018, and absolutely fell in love with the place. I mean, the, the Canadian ski culture very similar to the Austrians in, in a lot of regards. And, you know, if there's a powder day, taking their kids out of school and, you know, and then going and skiing it for the shuts day. shuts down, people, you know. Yeah, it's great. Actually, my, my partner lives in, in Canmore, uh, the town outside of Banff, and uh, she's, a, she's a school teacher there. And, you know, she'll get an email of, you know, hey, Lake, Lake Louise got 20 CMs last night. Uh, you know, Johnny's not coming to school today, which is uh, which is a pretty you know pretty cool thing, and um, you know very welcoming, and uh, really really love the area. And the, and the train is unreal. You can really get into whatever you want. If you want to have a groomer day, you can do that. If you want to get into some you know backcountry, slack country type stuff, you can you can do that as well. Uh, it's really a lot of options. And so, do you need to be of a certain level? of a ski like ski caliber to go on this trip no not necessarily we've actually got a couple people coming this year that aren't skiers at all just because banff is, is so so beautiful and they'll uh they'll head out to the nordic center in canmore and and do some cross-country skiing as well as some some great day hikes snowshoeing uh, you can learn to ice climb as well there's oh, wow. actually a couple frozen waterfalls where you can get a guided ice climbing experience and that'd be a great instagram photo right yeah there you go. exactly the the, the people uh climbing. yeah the people of the people of banff and uh you know get it out there yeah it is the most photographed place in the world, apparently. It is. It, it is a for for a good reason, and uh, we were discussing before the <laughs> there is a parody account. It's the the people of the Banff National Park, and it's a, a local Banff resident, Bow Valley resident, that takes photos of people taking Instagram photos, which is uh, it's pretty hilarious, actually. That's, that's so awesome. So you had never skied Banff before before you did went on this scouting trip. No, I had not. Yeah, went out cold and, uh, you know, I had an awesome time and, you know, it was like, all right, this, this will work. It really easy to get to. Um, once you're in town, you don't need a car. So you, you, there's a shuttle system that brings you to whatever resort that you want to go to. So what we do in the morning is we're sitting down at breakfast, chatting about, you know, the, the night before typically, and then, uh, you know, figuring out what the, the snow report says and make our decision on where we want to go. 
cool. How far uh, how far of a shuttle ride is it from like the hotel to the resorts? Yeah, good question. The to get to Lake Louise, it's a forty five minute uh, bus ride. Then to Sunshine, it's only 20 minutes. Norquay is about 10. Um, when you get to Sunshine, though, you you have to take a gondola up to the main lodge. So total transportation time, shuttle, and then the gondola is about the same between Lake Louise and Sunshine. So okay. we actually recommend for our guests, when you get to Sunshine, you actually just bring your pack right on the gondola and you boot up at the mid-station lodge. And... Typically, it's a lot less congested there. You can get some really good turns early, you know, early morning on Goat's Eye Peak, and then head over to the the main part of the resort. Oh, wow. So I know you uh, you guys have a lot of connections there in Banff. Was this something that you developed after your trip there, or was it something you already had in place when you decided to make Banff the destination? It's kind of continually evolving. You know, the, the more I travel to to that area, and you know, the, the more more I'm there, you know, the more, the more connections that, that I make for for first chair, and um, you know, really the the biggest part of the scouting trip was nailing down demo gear, making sure that we're going to partner with a, a shop that knows knows the deal. And we use Bamp Soul and Rude Boys, which, you know, are, are, are the best in town, in my opinion. Those guys, you know, they know the they know the area, like the back of their hand, and they also have awesome gear. And one of the things that we encourage our guests to do is to demo demo skis. And the last thing you want is to be out on your your GS skis uh, on, a, on a powder day. And so, you know, we yeah, rented they, in Austria once, and I think they gave us like 86 underfoot. Dude, I think it was 78 underfoot. <laughs> it was they were like, like ice carving skis. It was pretty miserable because we had like a foot and a half of snow, and you're like just struggling. Yeah. We had to go, you know, and switch them out the next day. That's what blows my mind about skiing in Austria, actually, is that they ski the groomers all day long, and there's yeah. so much unbelievable terrain. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, the Europeans, they love being on peace. They like following orders. I don't know if it's a German thing. Like, I, they just, yeah. We, yeah to to each the their lift. own, I'm just yeah. saying, like, I, I'd they much rather. They the lift, and they're like, oh, look, the Americans, they're, they're going crazy. And they're like, you're just going, plowing through, like, fresh snow, and they're just amazed, like, oh, my God, they're going off groomers. It's weird. Yeah, we went. We were in Ischgl, Austria, a couple of years ago with the Hoboken Ski Club, and we, again, it was it was the day we got like a foot foot and change of powder. And my wife was on like seventy eight underfoot skis, and we went into off piece there, and she fell and she lost her ski. And I never thought it would take like you always you always see people doing it, you always hear about it. I could not believe how we could not find this ski about 45 minutes sweating just digging we're just know. dripping sweat and, and next to checking it was, did you walk in any like you know we were trying to piece it back right next to the like, right under the lift like everyone is just <laughs> watching the dumb americans who can't find the ski oh. and then we uh it was almost an hour and we're just like we have to go back and where we were we were so far from the town because it was like lift to lift to lift to lift back across the Swiss border. That's where we were. We had to get with one ski. Like we weren't we didn't even know how we we're gonna get from where we were back to the town because there had to be skiing involved in getting there. Luckily, as we're walking down the hill, my wife has her one ski. 
some German guys like, hello, <laughs> just like yelling and waving. He'd bumped in like he'd hit her ski and found it. Oh, that's so lucky. And it was, oh my God. And, it, and you know, it's funny because it was such a horrible story. We were all miserable. We had the best rest of the ski day. Oh yeah. Like the, t- the snow was amazing. The sun was out. It was beautiful. We had this miserable, awful experience that we all kind of survived together and had this, this great story after this bond, this story <laughs> that we could talk about that night at Apre. That's it. Yeah, you know? exactly. I never thought I'd sweat that much on a, on a run. <laughs> sweating, just dripping. Yeah. That's kind of the cool thing about these trips. And, you know, so this trip that you guys are running this year, this is the second time you're doing it. Yep. And you said, what sort of retention do you have from the uh, the last trip? About 80% of the, of the folks that came out last year coming back. So th- it was the feedback that I received after the trip was that it was the best trip of their life. And, you know, these are our lifelong friends now, both for me as well as each other and get together and they, you know, maybe go ski up at, at Killington or got a couple people that moved out west and you know there's a lot of a lot of great communication that comes out after the trip and you know it's really cool to see that these people were brought together because of a first chair experience and you know they're going to continue to you know to be friends and ski together you know for, for a long time that's really cool do you uh do you guys do any uh like uh, like day weekend trips as well in the uh, the New England area? Yes, yeah, so we we partner closely with No Boundaries and their goal is to bring skiers and riders uh within New England for $50 a day or under. And so what they do is essentially pick a resort every single weekend and you book your your ticket online through them, pick it up from them at when at the day of. And so we're we're working with them. Um we don't plan any local like East Coast trips, but we're, we're certainly a big part of the East Coast ski community for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so cool. Um, and what do you, um, so you're doing Banff this year, do you have anything else planned or is there, like, what are you looking to to do and, and grow into over the next year or two? Yeah, next year will be a, a big growth year for us. So we're, we're over the summer, actually going to be out at, at Mount Hood doing kind of like a long weekend trip to the uh, the glacier out there, which will be which will be cool. And uh, then after that next year, Banff will always be on our itinerary. It'll always kind of be our, our flagship destination that we're going to be expanding more into interior BC and heading out to uh, to Revelstoke. And there's a discussion of, of potentially Fernie as well. Um, right now, we do we do get a little bit into into BC, and we head up to Kicking Horse for a day on the Banff trip. So you get five days at Ski Big Three Resorts and then a day up at Kicking Horse. And what's included in the trip? So I know we talked... Um you know a little bit about it but the like you're trying to go for like a turnkey just show up and and we'll we'll get everything for you so like somebody's booking this trip what can they expect like is included yeah that's the that's the deal pay your deposit and you know everything's taken care of for you that's you know that's what we're the experience we're, we're going for for sure so your your demo skis are included your uh, transportation to and from town is is included as well as your lodging which we we include breakfast in that as well and your lift your lift passes so we do pay the flight separate and that way people have the flexibility if they have miles or points and they want to use that they can we're more than happy to to book the the travel accommodations as well though yeah, that that turnkeyness is so invaluable as a ski traveler because again you're recommending people do demos but if you have your ski gear with you if you're in another country you got to go on your planes, trains, and automobiles to get to some of these resorts. Yeah, totally. And you're, you know, you're going through, you're looking at reviews for your shop or you're looking at reviews for the hotel. And 
I've been on trips where you book a shitty hotel and, you know, no matter what, if you're not sleeping in a comfortable bed after, you know, a long day of skiing, you're on day four or five of a trip, that's, that's going to ruin the experience. So we will scout every single location that we go to. Um, you know, for example, Revelstoke, we're renting this awesome place that sleeps like 15 people. It's got unbelievable game room, outdoor hot tub, and, you know, it's right there, you know, close to town. So we want to make sure that we're, we're really blowing people's expectations out of, out of the park. That's, mm-hmm. that's our goal. So in Banff specifically, we stay where, where we stay there is directly next door to an adjoining, um, a, a property that's owned by the same hotel group. And we actually are able to utilize their rooftop rooftop uh, pool and oh, nice. that's awesome oh wow so after a long day we'll go up there hang out sit in the hot tub there's two you know pool sized hot tubs as well as a sauna up there wow. and so we want to you know really really uh like i said exceed people's expectations hot tub's important we've been on trips where they don't have a hot tub and you're like what the hell yeah gotta have the skier soup you know that's uh <laughs> soup yeah right <laughs> now you're mentioning that you you hit a bunch of different spots while you're in vamp right you're hitting the the three is it Ski 3? What's the... Yeah, so Ski, ski Big 3 ski is three. Mount Norquay, which is about 10 minutes out of town. Sunshine is about 20, and then uh, Lake Louise is about 45. Okay. And are you guys going to have, um, like, some backcountry touring available, too? Or is it all just going to be... Is that kind of like a la carte that you'd be having to book that yeah so we we have relationships with certified mountain guides out there so if you wanted to tour in in the banff national park or in uh Kananaskis, you can do that and you know, just take the take the day out so we, we'll make the, the the link and and make the the connection there we don't you know charge anything for that we just kind of you know we want people to do what they want to do when they're out there uh, each day after after skiing, we normally you know have have something going on. So, get into town. We have a party over at Bamp Soul with uh, with beer and pizza and picking up your gear, and then you know we do uh, a game of shinny, uh, playing some some pond hockey at Lake Louise. That do a so awesome bowling night. You know it's it, so we've always got something something going on, and it's totally optional. You know we if people want to go great if they want to do their own thing that's cool too and it's the same with skiing you know typically the first day i got a big group with me as well as the the rest of the crew from first chair then people know the mountain so that's really the value we're bringing is that we know the mountain we know you know the weather patterns so we can give you advice on the best place to go so you don't have that you know two three day ramp up time of getting to know the lay of the land and you know we really want to get out there and get after it as as soon as you can yeah that's important because the logistics like you said you spend so much time looking stuff up like a ski shop or whatever and it's 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 fun in some way but then when you get there you're still like you don't know if it's a good ski shop had good review but doesn't mean it's good so the fact that you guys went through and did that vetting is like important yeah absolutely and that that's the value that that we're bringing right you know and we can give the advice of don't go to that restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I would go here. You know, good Yelp reviews, but don't believe them. Yeah, right. They you want the the, the shitty bowl of po- uh, poutine? You know, from there. <laughs> Soggy poutine. Soggy yeah. poutine. Nobody <laughs> wants that. That's crazy. Good name for a band. That would be actually yeah. Soggy poutine. And then uh, you know we mentioned like the logistics of of getting there. You know, it it is technically another country, so it's nice to have that planning. You know, that you do for people where. You know, you know the currency and, and make sure you bring passports and you can direct people on that rather than have 
kind of a shit show if you're trying to do it on your own. Totally. And you know? we, we communicate a lot before the trip and, you know, whether that be through a Facebook group or, you know, just through our, our email channel of just giving people what to expect. And it's ski travel. We're beholden to, to the weather patterns. So, you know, the, I can't guarantee you're going to have, you know, waist deep powder. Um, but, we know enough spots where if there's some, some moderate winds and in the, on the backside of Louise, we can, we can take you to where you might be able to find it. Um, so it's all those little things that really do add to the experience for sure. And, and time's a premium. I mean, I know you guys got, got full-time gigs, you know, and, and as do I, and you know, this is, it, it's a lot to plan a trip, especially for a group of people. So, you know, you got, four, five, six of your friends that want to, you know, head out to the Canadian Rockies. Oh, cool. This, this company's got it all locked down and they know what they're doing. Yeah. And I know you mentioned, you know, 47 North, your dad's company that you, you worked for. Was there any particular experience you had, uh, going on a trip that made you say, I have to do this my way on my own, or was it just kind of like a, a natural progression of, you know, growing out of the 47 North. Yeah. I mean, I think I, I definitely learned a lot from, from both my dad and his business, business partner, Lou. Um, for example, having a strong relationship with a great shop, that's key. You know, the, the guys that they use in surf house are awesome. And it's, it's the typical Austrian efficient, like <laughs> is the craziest thing. Like you walk out of your, your guest house, you get on this, this train that runs a uh, subway that runs under town, brings you to the gondola. Your boots are on boot heaters. They pull them off. You show them a badge like we've got on here for the expo. And, you know, you get, you get booted up, grab your, grab your gear and you're on the gondola in like 15 minutes. So, you know, making sure that the, lo- the logistics were there, big, big part of it. The communication also, you know, a big part of it. Um, from a, like a business development standpoint, that's, you know, kind of where it differed a little bit and, you know, being able to do things my own way, you know, building, building relationships with other brands, you know, networking, um, you know, is a big, big part of how we've continued to, to grow and be successful. Um, like for example, tonight we're, we're hosting a party at Parlor Skis with a, a ton of awesome brands. We've got Burn, Kalkia, Till I Die, Ski Big Three, Icon Pass are, are sponsoring the stage. You know, that's, that's fun. And for me, it, it, it's gotta be fun to, to do it. And having a group of 150, 200 people listening to, to a band and talking about skiing, mm-hmm. that's, that's a good night for that's me. Fun. You know, if yeah. I can't be on snow, I'd rather be doing that. So, yeah. well, you mentioned too, you know, we were chatting before and you said, you know, you grew up as a racer, ski racer, but you got to a point where you almost, it wasn't fun anymore, right? Yeah. It becomes a job. I, you know, and I think when you're, you're standing at the, the starting, the starting area and, you know, maybe you're, you're in a hold because of, you know, whatever, and you're, you're freezing your ass off <laughs> and you're just watching all these people ski by you and having a, having a great time. You know, there's, there's a little, little FOMO there. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, my, my best days racing honestly weren't on the race course. Um, you know, it, it was out having fun with my friends and, you know, taking, taking off on a powder day. Where do you see uh, first chair travel going? Like, what do you have as your like master vision down the road? Yeah, we're, we're definitely, um, like I mentioned, interior BC is going to be a, a big focus for us. The snow in, in Western Canada is, it really can't be beaten, in, in my opinion. So, um, you also have the added benefit of a pretty strong U.S. dollar too. So it makes it that much more affordable. Like 30% almost right now. Yeah, it's basically a 30% discount for yeah. Americans heading, heading to Canada, um, which is pretty sweet and prices are relatively consistent with that. So, uh, in interior BC is a big focus. Uh, doing something in the summer, uh, hoods kind of a, it's going to be a test. 
uh, we've been dis- discussing uh, going down to Ski Portillo with a with a few groups and uh, and scouting that. I don't know if it'll happen this summer, but potentially the summer after. So trying to have an all season uh, ski travel business is is where where we plan to go. You know, and that's a, a big thing too. Like a summer trip, you get all the teachers that can't ski during the winter. Right? Yep. I mean, it, it's kind of a, a big market too. Like a you know opportunity for that. Absolutely. Yeah, we, we had a friend in a share house. She was a teacher, and she did um, Bariloche, and she was down there originally for two weeks, and the snow like wasn't so good, so she ended up just kind of like hanging for like two extra weeks because it was one of those things like the snow was coming in right when she would have left, so she's like. You know, she's like single. Yeah, off for the whole summer. I'm off for the summer. She's like, yeah, I'll I'm, just hang for two I'm more paying weeks. the change fee all day on that. I'll yeah. make it work. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's actually that's actually a really good point about yeah, like teachers and and having that that summer. Yeah, because we've had our, our friend Rich, who's a uh, he's a teacher and a skier, and he uh, he only has a certain limited number of days. So right. you have like a nice and your south. Kids, you bring in your kids, like they're out of school. It's a nice south perfect. South American uh, summer ski destination. Yeah, and and from us, from a planning standpoint. That is, you know, that is a drawback because you've got different different breaks for yeah. for teachers, um, right. you know, and each state, each town does it differently. So, yeah, March tends to be where most people are off that second week of March. So that's why we we chose that. But yeah, eventually, if I can be in Banff for you know two weeks straight, and then we can hit you know hit more uh, more people that are going to be off during that time. You know, that that's a lot of the tweaks that we'll need to make as we move forward. That's cool to look at that calendar, like you said, and, and so you're lining it up with, you know, this is spring break for a good section of, you know, of the kids and stuff. So, yeah. And to go back to the Banff trip, so it's March 7th through 14th. How much is it per, per person? It's 16.49, and if you have an Icon Pass, we take 300 bucks off your trip. So, um, you know, with flight flights, typically, like right now, they're actually super cheap. So you can get out there for about 280 bucks round trip. Really? That's yeah. From um, out of Boston. Yep. Boston to Calgary. Boston to Calgary. Direct flight or uh, one stop through Toronto. Quick layover though. You know, maybe an hour and a half, two hours. Grab a bite to eat, and and then it's it's not bad. You know, heading out. Um, And then we do a group booking out of Boston every year, and that's based on a first-come, first-served basis. So whoever puts their their deposit down, that that sold out in like four days this year. We we released booking, launched this you know new uh, new video that we worked with our our friend Dan Thompson um, out in Banff, and you know that was pretty cool experience actually to to have that sell out so quick. So it's like all right, we're we're doing something right. You know, people are people want to do what we're doing, so that's cool. And this is all through, you said most of this is through just relationship building, right? Like a lot of, you know, getting the word out um, on your website and just knowing people and sharing. Like it's, it's gotta be so tough to start a business like this without knowing people because, you know, you need people to know you're doing it so they can go and give you money so you can go make it happen. Yeah, right, totally. And, you know, I I know a lot of skiers and the other people, it's a small, small group. So um, Alex, who runs our our digital, and then uh, Sean Phillips, he's running our, our social media but they've all been skiing their whole life too so they've got a really strong network alex actually uh used to volunteer for new england disabled sports up at loon and bretton woods and that's that's a great group they're doing awesome stuff out there and a couple people that came on the trip last year told you know told their friends and you know it kind of has a snowball effect so social helps for sure really kind of enhances what we're doing gives people an idea something to point to when they hear about us 
But really just sitting down and talking, that nothing is going to replace that. And talking from someone that you know, you trust, that's been there, like, you got to go on a first chair trip. I had the time in my life. Yeah. You're, gonna, you're not going to think twice. And that's, you know, and not a sales pitch. Yeah. That's the reality. Like that was the feedback. Itself, right? Exactly. And I, I don't want to be coming off as, you know, you gotta, you gotta go sell, 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 really grow this business organically through the experiences people have there. I mean, we bring 15 people this year. I'd be fine with it to be completely honest, because I know the next two years it will set itself up and you know, that that's okay. But like we mentioned too, like, you know, it's cyclical when it seems like some of these resorts book trips or maybe the, the travel is, is, is favorable for certain areas and you know banff i mean i've always heard it's a pretty good place to go so if you want to go right can say i mean tourism in banff is has been very consistent for you know the past probably 10 15 years for sure and it's interesting though banff gets most of its its tourism in the summertime not in the not in the winter that's like like jackson hole right you know like the winter's their off season yeah. In the summer, it's all Yellowstone and tourists from all over the hiking world. And stuff. Totally. Yeah, yeah, hiking and camping, yeah. Yeah, but like to that point, though, longest lift line we waited in last year is probably two minutes. Wow. I mean, you're just lapping That's all nice. day long. Yeah. And, you know, you're, like you're, burners. you're toast by, by 3 o'clock for, oh, sure, yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's important. I mean, you know, you don't want to go and just sit on some massive lines, which kind of ruins the trip. That's the beauty of being from the Northeast, though. You go anywhere else. Usually the lines are way shorter. Yeah, so so we were, we were at Kicking Horse last year, and I mean ninety percent of our trip is is at least grew up starting skiing in the East Coast. Maybe they live different places now, but our friend Kelsey grew up in in Golden, in in BC, which is where Kicking Horse is. And she was all stressed out that like, oh, these conditions, you know, it hasn't snowed in seven days, and you know the conditions aren't that great. And, we had the time of our life. And we were like, this is, the snow's so good. We're, you know, we're having an absolute blast. She's like, okay, all right. You know, my, my expectations, because, you know, I'm here and I get 30 CM days all the time versus, you know, folks that are growing up on the ice coast. Uh, you know, it's, it's all about uh, it's all perception, right? Yeah, yeah. It's all relative, yeah. A little Shangri-La up there in Canada. Yeah. <laughs> so there are still spots available for this Banff trip yeah there are we're we're booking up uh, pretty quick so um you know definitely if people are interested i, I jump on and get we ask for a 250 dollar deposit uh and then we we're pretty flexible on installments really work with whatever you want to do so if you want to pay in full great if not we got people paid bi-weekly monthly we just ask that the uh, the balance gets taken care of like 45 days prior to the trip that's tim's pretty reasonable and and they can go to firstchairtravel.com that's it. Is that the spot? That's the spot. All right, cool. Mike, anything else you want to share? No, man, I, I, I really appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah. Um, so we were talking a little bit about the... Uh, twice already. Twice. This is <laughs> round two. Uh-oh, it's not recording. Third <laughs> <laughs> time's a charm. Third time, that's right. No, but uh, have you guys been enjoying the expo so far? It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, this is our second time here. And just, you know, seeing the people that you saw last year. And yep. um, we've been doing a bunch of the, the different... Um, tourism groups to ski utah ski vermont ski new hampshire just making like like you said the contacts in the industry like that you know we started this podcast a couple years ago we didn't know anybody we still don't know too many people but we're just trying to share our passion and uh just talking to people who are also passionate about snow and it's cool like how welcoming people are 
because they see there's an authenticity and like you're not trying to like pull the wool over their eyes or dupe them it's like no we just love this and want to talk about it and want to find other people who are interested in it so like finding out about other people's stories like we want to know like how'd you how'd you get started like what's what's your company about like that's what what interests us and i think you know people want to hear that and having like yeah family your family starting this and you kind of branching out on your own doing your thing like that's such a such a unique and cool cool thing and i think it resonates with people too when they hear that there is like a family connection that you have and you just want to spread that to uh whoever wants to come on the trip and said you have two sons you're skiing with them and i'm sure you're going to want to be like pass this massive uh, travel company off to them one day right that'd be, that'd be a nice problem to have right <laughs> yeah you be able to bring your kids on this trip this actually trip? so uh the boys and i are heading out at the end of this month uh we'll be we'll be skiing at lake louise predominantly uh, for the thanksgiving week and oh, uh sweet. yeah i'm not sure if we'll, we'll they'll be heading out again this year for the march trip uh, it's probably won't it, it's. I don't want to say it's not not family friendly, um, but I'm I'm getting pulled in a lot of different directions, and so for me to you know be a good dad and you know be you spending time, time with my sons, yeah. uh, you know that's that's not uh, not the experience I want. You're kind of having to be the be the host, right? You kind of have to be put out any fires or you know fix any problems that that may arise. Yeah, exactly. You know, somebody has an issue with, you know, with their gear, I'll, I'll bring them over to Bamp Soul. We'll talk to Andrew and, you know, get that sorted. Um, you know, somebody needs a re- recommendation on, you know, where to go if they want to book a massage or they, you know, whatever they want to do. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of communications going on. So I'm kind of running all over the place like I am today, but yeah, yeah, it's awesome. But no, we, we appreciate you taking the time and, you know, double the time actually spend with us on this podcast. Any other information? Firstchairtravel.com. Yep. Firstchairtravel.com. You can find us on the, on the social. At, uh, at at First Chair Travel Co. on both uh, Facebook as well as Instagram, and uh, definitely check us out. We're we're doing a um, we're involved in an event the day after the Super Bowl up at Magic Mountain with the Ski No Boundaries crew, and those guys rented the mountain out of the out of the goodness of their heart to uh, to give back to the ski community and what they've done in the in the past few years. So it's a free day of skiing come up to magic uh it's going to be an awesome time we're we're in charge of the the entertainment so we'll be booking some some bands and stuff and and having a having an awesome day up there very cool you get twiddle to play i don't think that's in the budget but uh you know we'll, we'll definitely get, give back to uh, you back you know we'll, we'll put it out there twiddle if you're listening you come know, on twiddle hit us up Make you're right you're vermont you're vermont strong so you know see if you can make it happen twiddle so, Mike, thank you again so much for your time. Really appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, if you want to go to Banff, 1649, that's a deal. Thanks, guys. Have Thanks. an awesome week. All right, thank you too. too. Thanks. Hope you guys enjoyed it. If you want more information, you can check out firstchairtravel.com. All the info for the Banff trip is on there. We'll have the link on our website. If you want to check it out, skibumpodcast.com. Or hit us up, skibumpodcast at gmail.com. Under the ropes. One story here. It's a good one. This, this is a polarizing one. <laughs> we have not talked about this yet. So, uh, Mario, I'm going to let you start out with this. Tesla last week revealed the Cybertruck, which, when you first see it, you go, You think it's is from a movie Elon or something? Fucking with us? Yeah. You think it's something from like Star Wars or some futuristic movie, and then you think, is this like a hopped up DeLorean, like uh, an homage to the DeLorean? Uh, and then you realize, no, this is really the truck that they're saying they're going to come out with. And um, 
I don't know. There's, there's part of me thinks it's just too over the top. And part of me thinks it's pretty baller. <laughs> so I, I mean, first, I my first thought was just what the fuck? Exactly. Is that real? Is he trolling us? Like what's going on? And you know, it, it's just weird because it doesn't look like a truck. It looks like an, an SUV or just a car sedan. And then it has a bed that I guess it slides like the, there's a panel that slides up and, and reveals the bed, like the truck bed that's there. So the details are a bit vague, but yeah, that's what it seems like. Yeah. But it reminds me of, uh, what was the, uh, like the, what was the car truck? Remember that, that, um, the El Camino. It reminds me of an El Camino. Like, <laughs> and you know, people used to love those because you had the truck bed on a car. Yeah. So it kind of reminds me of like, like bringing back the El Camino. Well, remember like the old muscle car ones were actually pretty badass. Yeah. Like the big ones, like the El Camino SS's like back in the day with like the 454 big block. Oh yeah. And then they got kind of like, kind of soft and wimpy and shitty in like the seventies. Yep. So this looks pretty cool. I mean, the wheels look pretty baller. I mean, it looks pretty sturdy. It looks like it looks, but it would definitely change the image of what you have of cars. This is getting to what I was expecting the future was going to be, which is, which is what I like about it too. Well, that's the thing that Elon was talking about. He was saying like, this is going to be like something from Blade Runner. Yeah. Which again, it's kind of like post-apocalyptic looking. What I love is they have the picture on there too, on the website of pulling the trailer. And it's like a futuristic trailer. And then they show the motor, the, uh, the trike in the back of it. And it's a futuristic trike. So I'm like, this is pretty cool. Well, I think Tesla's actually making that too, that quad. They yeah. Call it the cyber quad. And one thing that's really cool about the truck bed is that. So yeah, the, there's like a photo gallery here and, um, what they did show in the demo is that when that back apparently slides up to reveal the pickup bed, there's a ramp that's built into the bed. So you that's can ring out that ramp and then whatever you drive up there, whether it's a you know motorcycle, a quad, whatever, the quad is meant to fit in the back there. So it's like that. It's like yeah. the new uh, the Jeep, the Gladiator. It's Everything is kind of purpose-built for fun stuff, you know, for quads, for dirt bikes to fit, not necessarily eight foot sheetrock, more, you know, construction. Yeah. I guess it would be like a half or a three quarter bed, right? It's not a full bed. Sort of three quarter. Yeah. Yeah. But it's also got four doors. You know, it's got four doors and it can seat five. The seating inside looks spacious. And I just love it. It's funny. Whenever you look at like, you look at the control panel, it's like a, a wheel and like an iPad that's just bolted to the, uh, the front. And it's just like a counter. It's like a, a countertop. Well, it's not even like a steering wheel. It's like a joystick. It's almost like a like a Knight Rider freaking like a... What would you even call that? It looks almost like a bow tie. You yeah. Know, like that sort of shape. Well, that's almost like some of the uh, the racing steering wheels, right? Sort of, yeah. Like, like a race car steering wheel. But it's funny like how now the dashboard has become like a countertop. It's like a kitchen countertop. Yeah. It looks almost like, yeah, like granite or something. <laughs> granite or marble. Yeah, but it looks like there's tons of space in there. Yeah. Like three in the front, three in the back. That's true. Yeah, it actually would fit uh, seat six, which is pretty neat. And I'd, yeah. I'd love that picture of it camping. Yeah, the pop-up tent thing. It's got the tent like built into the back of the truck and has and the grills. It looks like a grill and like a, a griddle that, that flip out. That looks nice. 
Yeah, I was initially just like revolted by it when I first saw it. And then I started like thinking about it and looking at more pictures of it. And you know what the cool thing is? Like every vehicle is so like feminized now. Everything is so like round and squishy and like it just everything is looking the same. This yeah. is such a bold, ballsy move. Yeah, I like it. I am starting to appreciate more and more the more I look at this thing. Honestly, when I first saw it, I hated it. I was like, this is disgusting. What yeah. is he doing? This must be a joke. I can't believe it. It doesn't look like a truck. I, I, I got to see more about it. And then I started seeing the picture, like the bed and all. And I was like, all right, I get what they're doing. It's like, it's kind of a car, which, which actually, if it's all closed up, it's going to be more fuel efficient, right? Because it's a sleeker design than a truck. Um, but it ah, doesn't what fuel though. It doesn't use fuel. I, I know. I know. But you're going to get less wind resistance. Like, right. You know, um, I don't know. It looks pretty cool. But here's the craziest thing about it. So there's three different configurations that it has. There's the single motor rear wheel drive. That's the, uh, the entry level one, which is like 40 grand. I think it's 40 grand. So it's zero to 60 in less than 6.5 seconds. Pretty impressive. 250 mile an hour range rear wheel drive. And then all the storage, the vault, everything is kind of the same. They call the back the vault. Okay. It's got an adaptive air suspension. Pretty cool. Up to 16 inches of ground clearance, which is pretty awesome. So then they have the next version, which is the dual motor all-wheel drive, which they have in most of the cars now. That same setup. So it's going to be all-wheel drive. Zero to 60 in less than 4.5 seconds. Damn. 300 mile an hour range. I think this one's 49,000. And then if you want to be a baller lunatic, you get the tri-motor all-wheel drive version zero to 60 in less than 2.9 seconds Damn. and a 500 mile range hmm. that is and it's, it, towing capacity 14,000 pounds wow that is fucking awesome yeah the specs on it for the towing and, and all that like think about so they must be looking at the the expected usage, right? So they're not just building this thinking there's not going to be use for this thing. It's going to be some something that people just want to drive around. Like they're looking at what what is the need out there. And I think one of the things that might be coming up is the classical idea of having a truck, right? You look at how people use SUVs now. You use them for delivering stuff. Like the way trucks and deliveries are happening you you got different size deliveries going, you know, you don't need this gigantic truck. You might just need, you know, small deliveries, local deliveries, you know, they, cause I think even the, that market wants to get to uh, running smaller things into a local area. So this might be a perfect fit for something like that. You know, it's true. Yeah. There's a video too. I don't know if you saw it of the Tesla and a Ford F-150 and they're doing uh, like a tug of war. Oh Yeah. And the Tesla just pulls the thing, like just rips it out, just yeah, yanks they, it along. Yeah, that's just it. Yeah, the torque. You, you can't. And people are saying like, torque. oh, well, they're using a rear wheel drive F-150. And, you know, it's not the same. And the, the Tesla's using the crazy, you know, triple, triple motor configuration hey, all those stupid commercials they have with a bit with picking up like a big rock or moving an ant like whatever it does you don't think that's rigged up of course it is you know these stupid commercials that they come out with the cars 
Yeah. It's it's so funny that you look at the picture of the F I mean F one fifties are big pickup trucks. Yeah. You look at the Tesla next to it, they look like they're from different planets. Yeah. I mean the the Tesla looks like it could be on the moon, like riding right? around, you know. Yeah. I'd have to wear like an all silver suit, like the uh like the futuristic suit that you always <laughs> see in those movies, and get out of one of those and be like, Yes, I have my silver, entirely silver suit on. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's again, the more I look at it, the more I think that is so freaking cool. It's gonna be a disruptor though. You see that on the street, you're like, what the fuck is that? Because you know some people aren't gonna know what it is. They're like, what the because it almost looks military, right? A little bit. Like you look at the wheels, the wheels and the that shape look a little bit militaristic. And I'm like, I'd be like, whoa. Even the front, like the um the lights. It's like one big beam across. It's not even like two headlights. Yeah, I wonder how this is actually going to end up looking after it gets to production because it seems like some of these features, like these wheels and those lights, like I don't, is that going to pass all the safety crap you have to pass to sell a car? Like, is, is I it, imagine the wheels would, but that is that going to be a package? So like then that this is where they can get creative and be like, well, you know, that's the rugged sport package. And then there's the regular wheels that we, you know, every car company does that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I'm a, now they're, they're saying that this isn't going to be available till I think the end of 2021 or 2022. So you've got some time, but you can put a hundred dollar deposit down now already if you want to get it. And they've had over 200,000, um, pre-orders so far hey you know it's kind of like playing a lot i throw a hundred dollars down maybe you want one in 2021 or maybe you don't who knows my first thought is are they gonna are they gonna have a track set up for this like the tracks like the the treads yeah imagine driving this thing around in the snow with oh, those yeah. tracks oh with that torque in there you just you drive up anywhere hill. oh yeah you might not even need a chairlift anymore. You can just take this to, thing up and down. It's like your own personal snowcat. Exactly, right? Even if you bolt on the uh, the treads, you, you do the tread conversion on it. I'm sure that'd be pretty... Uh... We've got two years to figure it out. Someone's got to be able to make tracks for this thing. That's right. Tracks and like a plow setup. Oh, plow. That's what you need. Can you imagine that? Instead of a big, big old truck, you just plow with that thing. I feel like Elon could convert one of these into like a legit snowcat. Oh yeah. Right. Well, they were going to make like a, like a truck, like a, uh, like a long haul truck. Right. And then they scrapped that or they postponed that idea. I think, I think postponed it. Yeah. Yeah. Because the problem is Elon tries to do way too many things at once. Yeah. That is, that is part of the problem. Now they're building a tunnel from LA to, um, was it San Fran? I think they're trying that. Yeah. They're, they broke ground on it like last week. So yeah, he was at that. He's a boring that, right? company. He's got SpaceX. He's making yeah. a truck. He's still got cars he's working on, the Roadster. Yeah. He's got a lot of stuff going on right now. Well, the Model 3 is still, they're still trying to get the numbers for that, right? Hey, the 3 is doing pretty well. They're, they're working on the Y, which is the kind of the crossover version of the 3. Which that's the one that I like. It's a little more practical than the sedan. It's got a little more room for, for stuff. Yeah. That's not coming out till the end of next year into 2021. So again, everything is like two or three years down the road. The Roadster, all that stuff is a couple years away. 
Hey man, the the good thing of it though, I mean, everybody knows it's it's hard to start a car company. And to be the longer you're in business, the better a chance you have. I mean, look at Hyundai and Kia, like they started out and everybody's like, oh, they're never gonna survive. And it was just a staying power. They hit like year 10, and all of a sudden it was like, hey, we got these new cars coming out and it's easier to produce. You got an ecosystem. And he's not just a regular car company. It's it's they they have an ecosystem, totally new stuff, you know. So, yeah, he came, you know, like everyone laughed, said he couldn't do it. No new car company had ever started since, you know, something in the thirties yeah. and he made it happen. And he's had the most successful electric car ever. And the one that came out in 2012, the model S, they said that no other car, I think until this Porsche came out, finally, the, the Taycan has even matched that car from 2012 which is wow. crazy but it is nuts when you think about it. he had to create you know the battery factory like to be able to build a car so it's like a lot of that stuff it wasn't just hey let's buy a company that that makes engines for us and you know start producing cars it was no we got to come up with technology produce the technology and then scale it to be able to provide you know what we need to to make all these cars so it's a yeah. pretty big achievement, you know. It, it, it's what he's done is unbelievable. Yeah, and he's not someone I would ever bet against. I mean, just to be able to mass produce, just to be able to stay in business while creating the battery factories and creating the cars and trying to do them at the same time, like just to stay in business for that, it's a pretty big feat. It's it's unbelievable, really. I mean, there's a book that was written a biography about him. And it talks about how, in I think it was 2008 Christmas Eve or Christmas day, he almost lost Tesla. Like it almost went bankrupt and he was mm. able to secure financing at that point and uh, kept the company alive. And, yeah. You know, it's uh, there's been a couple of times where it's, it hasn't looked good for Tesla, but you know, Elon's one of those people that, you know, you give him enough time. He, he makes the, unbelievable happen it seems like they're hitting their stride now they got enough cars out and now they're introducing more and they're they have stay in power you know people know they're going to be around it's not like oh they're going to go bankrupt any day you know yeah um i, I think it's going to be it's gonna be a lot of positives from here on out i i love everything they're doing and so one other thing about this truck the exterior is made from ultra hard 30x cold rolled stainless steel nice like and, a DeLorean yes and they were showing in the the demo they had someone with a sledgehammer just like hitting the car and it wasn't even denting now nice. they did break the armor glass with a metal oh. rock or a metal ball oh but, wow you know these things happen so it was, so it comes standard with armor glass that's pretty bold yes this Think thing is so awesome. Like you don't have to go out and get armor glass. Like it's on there already. I feel like, like a, a Jeep Wrangler is now like a Barbie car compared to this thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. This thing is really cool. So maybe we should drop a hundred bucks now and we can make it our official company vehicle in 2022. Hey, 2022, we could be billionaires by then. This is true. You never know. We could be buying Tiffany company tomorrow. I wouldn't even want it. <laughs> <laughs> or we can make Tiffany skis. That's right. 
right? Louis Vuitton's got skis. Why can't Tiffany? Hey, maybe Elon Musk will buy Tiffany, make a Tiffany Cybertruck. Tesliphany. <laughs> Tesliphany. Right? Get all bling out on that shit. Potential. Bling it up. Yeah, no, nah, he wouldn't want that. <clears throat> well, I guess that about wraps up the podcast for the week. Yeah. Yeah, so thank you everyone for listening. We really do appreciate it. Check us out, skibumpodcast.com. We're on all the socials, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Podcast. Send us an email, skibumpodcast at gmail.com. Check out the new swag on the website, skibumpodcast.com slash shop. Find us on your favorite podcasting app. Rate us, subscribe, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. We're also on YouTube and iHeartRadio. And thank you again, everyone, for listening. We really do appreciate it. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Find us at the Warren Miller showings in the next couple of weeks. And we will see you guys next week. Stay high, stay fluting. See ya.